Welcome, everybody, to the latest All Lions podcast. Following the Detroit Lions 9-8 and eight season, we got to break it all down. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. This podcast made possible thanks to Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation. Can't wait to break it all down with my guy, Stick, from Woodward Sports. He is one of the co-founders. Got a chance to listen this morning, Monday, to Stick recap everything going on with the Detroit Lions, all the news, rumors, innuendos regarding Ben Johnson. Stick, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. I know you're dialed in. You definitely were excited following the Detroit Lions finish to the season, finishing 9-8. and eight. Yeah, I mean, uh, super excited to talk about it because I think just like every other Lions fan, I just want more. <laughs> I just want more. It shouldn't have ended so soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, st- it stunk for me, too. Uh, w- w- Sunday night football should have been exciting, but obviously the Seahawks ended up winning. The Rams couldn't come through, couldn't do the, the Lions a solid. But I just want to ask you this. How did you take in the season in totality? Because it was really a tale of two seasons. You had the Lions starting off one and six, but then after the heat got the hottest, you had the owner having to come out and kind of calm everybody down, tell everybody, relax. This is something that we trust. We trust Brad Holmes. We trust Dan Campbell. And then after, in the second half of the season, once some adjustments were made, oh my gosh, Dick, the team finished eight and two and went on this run where they indeed for the second half of the season, they played close games and played at a level that many would consider to be playoff football. Yeah, and to your point, you know, early on in the season, I think I was with a lot of Lions fans just starting to get frustrated with Dan Campbell. I, I didn't believe it was ever time for him to leave, but uh, I could remember doing shows and being like, when is this guy going to learn how to manage fourth downs? You know, you got to quit doing these things. And, you know, we're witnessing growing pains. And then all of a sudden, it just seemed like one week, the light bulb clicked. And we stopped doing those dumb things that were putting a young team in precarious situations. You stop. I, I think what he was doing, the theory behind it was good, right? My team's not great. I'm lacking in talent. I need to take risk to keep my team in this game. But I think the other side of that coin is my team's not great. They lack talent. I need to do everything I can to put them in the ideal situation for them to succeed. And I think once that light bulb clicked off for Dan Campbell, you saw eight and two to end the season. Obviously, the change on defensive scheme, they simplified some things, which I'm not sure exactly how they simplified so well to go from the worst to like mid-pack, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, absolutely. You said it. It made everybody look at the team and Dan Campbell a whole lot differently. You saw the emergence of a bunch of young talent. You finally saw a collective draft class really come in and perform at a high level. Aiden Hutchinson, the number two pick, lived up to the hype. You had players develop on the practice squad. Since when can we put a player away, stash him for the majority of the year, then you call upon him in James Houston, and then right away against the Bills, he comes in and contributes, almost matches Aiden Hutchinson's sack total. What a debut season for him. So not only did they perform well on the field, but you can start to kind of get a sense that player development is happening. You're starting to see the front office target players that can show up on the field and contribute at a high level. This is where many people start to feel the level of excitement And I think you're in the same boat I am, is that, okay, now the Lions, 
after an improvement of six wins, now the expectation should naturally rise so that this team should be competing and winning the division, maybe even maybe putting it out there and manifesting that this team in 2023 with another draft, with free agency, can maybe even host a playoff game in 2023 in front of a fan base that really beyond deserves it. Yeah, and if you want to go way over the top, you can quote Lewis Riddick that the Lions will be Super Bowl contenders in 2023. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not me saying that. That's that's Lewis Riddick saying that. But, you know, you watch these playoff games last weekend, and who couldn't the Lions compete with? The only team in the playoffs that played this past weekend that I thought the Lions probably would have lost to, ironically, was the team that they would have played in the first round, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. So outside of that, there is nobody that played AFC or NFC that the Lions at the end of the season wouldn't have had a chance against. It was great. And yeah, like a lot of people, you sit back and you wonder what would have happened had the Lions had the opportunity to play with Jared Goff playing at a high level, the defense being opportunistic. I think they would have competed at a high level. It might have been tough being on the road, man. Playoff football is a whole different beast. But I do want to get your sense because you posted it on Woodward Sports at woodwardsports.com, an interesting debate, that one that across the internet has really been had for the better part of the last five seasons. And it stems around expectations and fan reactions. And it's really interesting because many people, when you look at the history of the Lions. Obviously, there's been some struggle, and it's been highlighted by the fact that the organization dismissed a coach that was the winningest coach in their franchise's history in terms of wins and losses, got the team to the postseason basically every other year in his tenure. So many people looked at your content and your article and and said, look, okay, the, how is it possible that this reaction, like you mentioned earlier with Lewis Riddick already now talking about the Lions jumping to the Super Bowl, how can nine wins set off this level of excitement, this level of hyperbole for Dan Campbell, Jared Goff? How can this level of excitement be kicked off when a couple years ago people said nine wins wasn't good enough and people were very upset and frustrated at that time. So I'm curious your reaction when you see people say, wait a minute, why is everybody getting so excited? Pump the brakes. Dan Campbell didn't get to the postseason and didn't do some things, maybe even was a factor in the Lions not making the postseason. And you see that dichotomy because for for Jim Caldwell, nine wins wasn't good enough. And now with Dan Campbell, it seems like there's a massive tidal wave. Can you speak to the debate and where where did this kick off online when you, when this article posted? So I, I saw a meme and it was Jim Caldwell and Dan Campbell sitting there and it was a poorly put together meme. Pictures were blurry and everything, but it got me to thinking. And usually when I'm you know in a writer mode, it's like, well, if I'm thinking about this, other people are probably thinking about this too. So I wanted to put pen to paper and really like vet this out because I'm also an interesting one to talk about this. Cause I'm a Jim Caldwell guy. I've been screaming nine and seven isn't good enough for the past five years. Like who the hell did the lions think they were that nine and seven isn't good enough for the Detroit lions making the playoffs. 50% of the time isn't good enough for the Detroit lions. And I've, I've, I've fought for Caldwell because I believe he is the best lions head coach of my lifetime. And you know that you can go back and like you said, you know, winning percentage shows that he's the best since the 50s, 70 years. It's been Jim Caldwell. 
so I've always been in the narrative that the Lions messed up, that they shouldn't have tried to improve something that wasn't broken. But history is history. They moved on. They went to Matt Patricia. He gutted everything good that Jim Schwartz had built and that Jim Caldwell had brought even further along. And that's where the disconnect happens is, you know, Campbell's taken over at the very basement of a team. Campbell's doing for the Lions now what Jim Schwartz did for the Lions pre-Caldwell. He's getting them back to respectable. He's getting that fight back. So I understand that 9-7 and seven wasn't good enough because everybody viewed that as a ceiling. And I viewed it as the floor because that was, you know, he went, where do you go, 11-5. and five. Um, then he, he went 11 and five, he went seven and nine, nine and seven, nine and seven and making the playoffs in between there. So Caldwell to me did his job, but at the end of the day, you want to improve and I'm okay with that. Look at the Pistons. When you go back to Oh four, you know, Rick Carlisle had a 50 win team, but they thought they could improve by bringing in a Larry Brown. And I'm okay to make that move, but the Lions did not bring in anybody close to a Larry Brown. You brought in a rookie head coach who had no idea what to do, how to talk to players. So that was very frustrating for me. But I also understand why Dan Campbell is getting his flowers. And this morning when we were talking about it on the show in the WoodwardSports.com chat, the consensus was we're not celebrating 9-8. and eight. We're celebrating finishing 8-2. and two. And I can accept that, but you also got to understand the totality of the season is they are nine and eight. And on the surface, it's a very weird debate to have, but you got to admit this team's trending up. Caldwell was, was maybe treading water. Exactly. And I think too, it's okay to say that Jim Caldwell got a raw deal. You would have been successful with Jim Caldwell. Now the gamble you take when you fire a coach of that caliber is that you're supposed to take it to the next level. You can't bottom out and pick a coach that ends up getting dismissed and having one of the worst tenures and alienating players and establishing a culture that nobody wants to realistically be a part of. So it's safe to say Jim Caldwell got a raw deal. If he had a general manager like a Brad Holmes, you probably would have, it's safe to assume he could have earned some playoff wins. But when you get to the postseason, now it's a whole different animal. You got to sometimes modify your game plans. You got to kind of really be an elite game manager. And I think where the excitement comes for me and for many others is that, okay, Dan Campbell's not there yet, but the signs are there that potentially he could morph into that. So there's still hope that Dan Campbell can become the coach that can earn multiple playoff wins and can secure uh, the highest goals. And when you see the level of accomplishment that you've seen, a a six-game jump, that is a significant jump in year two. So now moving forward, what are the realistic expectations for 2023? Obviously, you know, there's people going to be like, okay, you know, get to the Super Bowl and things like that. That is a massive jump for an organization that has only won one playoff game in decades. I think, for me, expectations are win the division and host a playoff game with the opportunity to win a playoff game and get the next level in terms of meaningful games in the postseason. Maybe even get to the second round. Maybe even get to the NFC title. The rest is gravy, but at some level, like Dan Campbell said at his season-ending media session, it's now time to expect getting to the tournament and now advancing. Yeah, and I think that's a fair expectation. I mean, anything short of nine wins next year is going to be looked at as a failure. What excites me, though, is we have been witnessing the evolution of Dan Campbell. We don't know how good he can wind up being. 
because last year's Dan Campbell compared to this year's Dan Campbell are two completely different animals. End of the season, Dan Campbell compared to beginning of the season this year, Dan Campbell, two different animals. And if he can continue to evolve and still have his players playing for him in the manner that they do, the sky's the limit for this guy. And the sky's the limit for the Lions because now you're looking at them in the NFC North. What other team would you rather go to in the NFC North if you were a free agent? Do you really want to go up to Green Bay where they're in complete disarray? Got to pay Aaron Rodgers $60 million. Jordan Love may be the quarterback of the future, but you don't really know. You have a solid defense, but you let your star wide receiver go. Uh, Do you want to go to Minnesota where it's a lot of fool's gold? You know, winning 11 games by one score or less, that's not going to survive next season. That's an anomaly. That doesn't happen often. You know, is Kirk Cousins really going to be your guy? Is their defense all it's the Patrick Peterson is their top defender on the back end. And the guy is old. Like they they have struggles. Then you go to Chicago. Do you really want to go to Chicago? Their defense is like worse than the Lions were at the beginning of the season. And their offense isn't much better. You have Khalil Herbert. You have some decent running pieces with Justin Fields. But. Is he going to throw the ball to anybody? That's the big question there. So if, if I'm a wide receiver, if I'm a free agent and I'm looking at teams in the NFC North where I can go, where else do you go but the Lions right now? Yeah, absolutely. Trending upward, enjoying the football conversation, talking Lions with Stick from Woodward Sports. Make sure you give him a follow at Stick Radio. Check out all the great content at Woodward Sports. Visit woodwardsports.com. I'm very curious, Stick, where do you stand on the Jared Goff debate because it is so fascinating. It reminds me of Matthew Stafford all over again in that, you know, Goff brings a different skill set. But obviously for me, I was a guy that said, look, there are better quarterbacks out there. Go younger, take the $20 million cap saving and allocate it toward the defense and try to figure out ways to, you know, build around a young quarterback. But now, obviously, what happened with Stafford now rings true for a lot of people when you look at it and you say, you know what, maybe the thinking is the emphasis on the quarterback has been far too great. If you can have a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, you build an offensive line, you give them weapons, maybe you don't need... Patrick Mahomes to save the day. You don't need Josh Allen potentially to throw the ball 50 yards at a time. Maybe you build an offense that's predicated on moving the football, elite timing, great run control with the running game. And maybe, just maybe, the idea is Goff at 30 million compared to the highest end quarterbacks at 50 million might do the job. For me, it's hard to sell me on Goff winning the Super Bowl. I wouldn't be shocked. If he did it, it wouldn't blow my mind like out of the question. It just seems a lot harder when you have a quarterback that just his ceiling is good, but not elite, not maybe enough like, for example, when your team is struggling against the Panthers. Can you have Jared Goff throw 50 times and have him take over the game and get you the W? Can he be Patrick Mahomes? Can he be Joe Burrow? Maybe not, but the way in which Brad Holmes has has maneuvered this He's potentially thinking along an elite level, which is, look, if we build a team 
around a quarterback that is experienced and has the moxie, we don't need him to do that. We just need him to run the system, be the CEO of the offense, as opposed to the owner and the dictator. So I'm very fascinated to see how this goes. Obviously, Jamison Williams will play a part in more evaluations in 2023. It's clear now golf is going to be under center. He earned one more year at least in Detroit. But I'm curious, where do you stand in regards to the golf debate? Well, I've been a big golf defender since he got here. Even last season, I was a golf defender, uh, which is ironic because I wasn't a Matthew Stafford hater, but I was over the Stafford relationship. Like, listen, you ain't making us better. We ain't making you better. It's time to move on. And I thought that was the right time in the relationship to do that. But I think a lot of people sleep on Jared Goff, and I, I don't know why. Um, you know, if if I was to eliminate names and I just said, listen, I could get you a 26, 27, 28-year-old quarterback who's already been to a Super Bowl, number one overall pick, and you can get him for $30 million a year. Do, do you want that quarterback? 99 out of 100 people would jump all over that, right? Especially here in Detroit. When's the last time you had a quarterback that actually started in a Super Bowl prior to being a Lion here? I can't name one. <laughs> you know, so I, I think Jared Goff gets a really bad rep. And the one thing that Jared Goff needs, though, is a running game. And even before he got here, and everybody will tell you, well, he made it to the Super Bowl because of Todd Gurley. Yes, that was a major part of the offense. But what is also a major part of that is Goff has been the number one play action quarterback for several years now. And so you want to talk about he doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have to be Josh Allen. He doesn't have to be those things. But when you're running play action, he ranks better than all of those guys. So if that's the system that you want to run, the Lions have built out their offensive line. They have taken the initiative of becoming more of a running team and establishing that. Why wouldn't you want the guy that's number one on play action for the past two years? So I, I don't understand why people don't love Jared Goff. Um, I think it's just more of like now a cute, popular thing to not like him, <laughs> you know. But what more do you need to see from this guy? The, the players respect him. He's not an issue in the locker room. You know, he leads the team. He threw zero interceptions over the past, what, eight games. And when have you ever seen that? And part of being a quarterback is protecting the ball, not turning it over. So he doesn't have the rocket arm. He doesn't have the mobility. But what he does have is those intangibles and a great mind for the game. And I'm rolling with Jared Goff from here on out. Unless you can present me with something much, much better I'm looking at this like the Jim Caldwell situation. The last thing I want to do is get rid of Jared Goff and bring in a first-timer who's got to learn on the job. And Brad Holmes, I think, had the quote of the season, and he was asked about Jared Goff when he addressed the media. He said, look, it's very easy to actually get worse at the quarterback position than it is to get better. So it, it, it's very tough. It's very tough, and there's no guarantee that you throw a rookie with this Detroit team and they're going to get playoff wins. That's very tough. You could get a Zach Wilson situation. Could you imagine, Stick, you build this great team and you pick a quarterback and he ends up being like a Zach Wilson who can't handle the pressure, turns out to be a head case and starts throwing the football 10 feet over the receiver's heads? That'd be a nightmare. So, yes, I understand what people are saying, but at the same time, see, we all watch the playoffs and you see Joe Burrow and his elite elusiveness, his slipperiness, something about him just screams potential winner and Goff has that I think it's just not so publicized he is a gamer he has that that kind of mentality but at the same time you just wish maybe those that 
that, that Seagolf w- would like for him to be able to throw the ball 60 yards to Jamison Williams on a rope and have the big arm and have all the, the pieces that some of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks have, which is, you know, elusiveness, extra ability to make others better, can make all the throws, yep. and just has like that it factor, you know, that kind of situation where people would see Brett Favre and just do some magic where everything's falling apart and all of a sudden the dude is just flinging the ball and it ends up in the right spot. Goff has that, just hasn't had a lot of opportunity to showcase it. Now it's the time. 2023 is a year where he's going to have a lot of weapons that are evolved. They're going to get, I think, an improved running game. You're going to have the offensive line that you need. You're going to have Jamison Williams, the talent that you need at wide receiver. This is it. This is the year to showcase for everybody that Goff can take this team to multiple playoff wins. And I hope he does because, you know, when you get traded to the Lions and everybody views you as the throw-in, Brad Holmes did a great job saying, look, no, I asked I asked less need for Jared Goff because I wanted to build around him. And it, it, it shows. It shows what has been done when you support someone, when you give them a coordinator that wants to build around him and you give them a lot of support. This is the recipe for a lot of success offensively and the proof is in the pudding. Stick, I've enjoyed the conversation. I want to have many more with you. I I definitely uh, agree sometimes with your take, disagree with others, but one thing that we can't question is your dedication to Detroit sports, starting the founder of Woodward Sports, doing great things behind the scenes, on the scene, during the shows as well. We're all noticing, and we hope for you and the network continued success. Fill us in a little bit. What's going on with the network? Oh man, I mean, this is uh, this is our third year of operation. So you know, we were talking before the call, like this is this is the time to put the pedal to the metal. I think we've established ourselves as a a Detroit sports brand. People are now seeking us out to get their information from. We're no longer having to seek people out. So that's a big step, and we're just going to continue to add, continue to grow. You know, we're working on new weekend programming for people to see, view, and enjoy. Revamping the entire website. The new app is coming out. So. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of balls in the air, but it's like you said, it's all for the Detroit community because this is the greatest sports town in the world, if you ask me, and they deserve the best sports coverage. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Make sure to follow Stick on Twitter at Stick Radio. Follow Woodward Sports at woodwardsports.com. Stick, thanks for the time. Let's do this again soon. Anytime, man. You got my number. And now getting back to the biggest news of the weekend regarding the Detroit Lions. It's the plight of offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. CBS, obviously in the know of former Panthers beat writer, looking into the camera at CBS and discusses, you know, obviously before the playoffs, discussing what's going on with the coaching situation around the league. And he drops an interesting nugget saying that Carolina is currently looking at Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is the leader in the clubhouse at the moment. Now, makes sense in that Ben Johnson was is from Carolina, obviously was a walk-on quarterback at North Carolina, and obviously the owner, David Teppert, has the propensity to kind of become enamored quickly with those that become hot names. But soon after that report came out, which was interesting, On CBS, obviously many in Detroit read that and saw that live and reacted, being nervous, frustrated, obviously, the fact that Ben Johnson might be gone already. But what was interesting was Adam Schefter came out with the report that Carolina now is in the mix too, asking the Saints to interview for Sean Payton. 
So David Tepper's doing his due diligence. I think that looking at a coach that coached in the division would cause a stir, would be very interesting. I'm just wondering if teams are going to. Are they going to want to allocate first-round picks? I mean, you look at the compensation that high-end coaches have received in the past. My goodness, John Gruden received. (laughs) When you look at what has been traded, it's unbelievable when you see what teams are potentially willing to give up for a head coach. Multiple first-round picks because Sean Payton is currently under contract, so it's going to take a lot. I wonder if the Chargers situation now makes it so that Ben Johnson is now looking to potentially be in the mix there. They have not fired yet Staley. I'm surprised that it's Monday afternoon and Staley is still employed after the meltdown again in Jacksonville. I'm shocked. You know, obviously, when you see a team get out to that much of a lead, 27 nothing. that should be lockdown, should be done. And the Chargers obviously collapsed, which surprised really not that many people. So you look at Ben Johnson, if Staley is relieved of his duties, which is not a foregone conclusion, that is an appealing situation, far more so than what's going on with the Panthers. I mean, you saw the lack of patience they showed Matt Rule. He wasn't trending in the right direction, but they were willing to move on and eat the big chunk of his contract But you look at Ben Johnson, I think he has the tools needed to have the level of success that you would want. So when the report came out and you look at everything surrounding it, I I do think that in terms of what Ben Johnson would want, I would believe that Carolina is is the leader for him personally, returning home, having the opportunity to start and uh, really build a franchise, you know, really in the image that he would want offensively. Oh, man. I think that obviously the Chargers have the better quarterback situation, which you want as a young head coach, but really give credit to Dan Campbell and the Lions organization for recognizing the talent that Ben Johnson did have. Remember that Dan Campbell chose a more experienced veteran coach in Anthony Lynn to start his tenure back in 2021. It just didn't work. Far too conservative, did not really utilize the strengths that were there inherently on the roster, and Amonra St. Brown wasn't utilized that well under Anthony Lynn. He's dismissed. Ben Johnson is still there, involved heavily in the passing game in 2021, and then you see Jared Goff's game take off. Dan Campbell was calling plays in 2021, really, at the tail end of the season, and you saw a lot of positivity. You saw a lot of really good play from the Lions offense in the second half of 2021. Now you go into the 2022 season and Dan Campbell plays, uh, you know, is coy as we asked him during training camp, who's going to call plays? And he would, you know, obviously skirt around the question, punt it and joke around and indicate that it could be him, could be Ben, could be both, could be nobody. So finally you recognize that, okay, it's going to be Ben Johnson calling plays with input, obviously from Dan Campbell, obviously knowing that he he's involved in the game planning and wants to be heavily involved in the offense. But boy, the statistical numbers that you saw Ben Johnson and that offense be able to put up explosive plays, Jared Goff able to able to pass for over 4,000 yards and be efficient, be clean, be able to handle everything in the second half of the year, especially after a disastrous start. It caught the attention when you have a top 10 NFL offense, it caught the attention of a lot of people. And a lot of people 
now are definitely aware of Ben Johnson. So he's not a secret anymore, guys. If he doesn't get hired in 2022, if uh, in 2023 he is, you know, still with the Lions, it'll be a surprise. I do think that people underestimate the willingness of NFL teams to take on and work with young, hot assistants. Could it be the Panthers? Could it be the Texans? Could it be the Colts? I think the two teams you should worry about are the Panthers if they make the offer and the Chargers if they pull the trigger and move on from Staley after that disastrous performance. Otherwise, you know, if you ask me, what are the chances that Ben Johnson returns? Okay, prior to the Chargers game, I would have said 70%. Even though the reports came out that the Chargers, you know, even though the reports came out that the Panthers are enamored potentially with the new hotshot assistant, I would still presume he wants to work with this offense. The chance to maybe have a pick of a job at a higher end next year, next offseason in 2024, I think would be much more appealing to Ben Johnson than taking one of these jobs. I mean, the Broncos is going to be a long nightmare. The Panthers, long nightmare. The Chargers, though, that is a situation when you have a quarterback, you're starting with an advantage. So that one, right now, as I'm recording this, Chargers still have not fired Staley, so he's still in the position. You're hearing reports that maybe the owner's not going to want to potentially break off and have to pay another coach to not work, and that makes sense. No no entity, no owner likes to pay multiple coaches. And Staley, for what it's worth, did do a decent job this season. Despite all the chaos and everything, you are seeing the team evolve. Now, the problem that they have is just for whatever reason, shoot themselves in the foot, can't close the deal out, always get out to good situations only to fall short is not a reputation you want to have, and that's where they're at currently with the Chargers after an epic, epic disappointing loss to the Jaguars. I mean, you had everything going for you, 27 nothing lead. You can't close it out. You, you get, it's just head scratching. I'm sitting here scratching my head. I'm shocked that that's how the performance went. All you needed to do was get into the end zone one or two more times, not have your kicker miss the, the three points, not leave points on the board, have an opportunity for situations to go in your favor, and it didn't, and that's really unfortunate for Staley, but could be unfortunate for the Lions as you see their efforts to try and keep Ben Johnson in the fold. So Ben Johnson's a hot name, and you look at the situation in which he is, you know, um, gaining traction and the success level that he had, it's really, really a testament to the work that they did and the work that was able to be done with everything involved. So I'm very, very, very much so Um, Looking forward to seeing how the offseason progresses with the Lions in regards to the coaching. Do they have the opportunity to be able to retain Ben Johnson? It'll mean a lot for Jared Goff. That'll be the thing that everybody pays attention to is, can Jared Goff, if Ben Johnson leaves, what will that mean for Detroit's quarterback? So it's yet to be determined, it's yet to be seen what's going on with Ben Johnson. Right now, without the, the Chargers in the mix, I still think that it's 60% right now that Ben Johnson stays with the Detroit Lions. This interview this week with the Panthers is in person, so stay tuned to what buzz comes out following the interview. Stay tuned to All Lions as we break it all down. want to thank Stick again from Woodward Sports, talking about the Detroit Lions, and we can surmise following the Lions season that for now, 9-8 and eight is good enough as the team rebuilds, but they're still continuing to add through the draft 
and a healthy free agency with some funds should allow for the Lions holes to get filled, especially on defense. This has been the All Lions Podcast. I am the Doc John McAroon. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get after it next time.